Welcome back to another episode of King of the Shill. Well, I guess it's technically a mini-sode, right? Mini-sode. It is a mini-sode. We are in between shills. Mm -hmm. We have returned from planet doom. We have uh, listened. We have jammed. We have bopped. Um, I fucking loved it. Um, As I said on as I said on the uh, the show last week, um, I committed to more, and I am. Pleased to say that most of my on repeat for Spotify has been consumed by MF Doom at this point. I'm really enjoying going through a lot of his his his, his back catalog. There, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, I mean, I, I knew that you would like his stuff. It was not really ever to me a thing of, oh, he's this is just not going to be up his alley. I mean, even if you're not necessarily a rap fan, I think that there's a objective quality to his music. So I'm glad. I'm glad you've been listening to it. I actually listened to some Doom the other day myself. Oh, nice. Some, yeah. some choice, some choice tracks, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I queued up my old standby food for like the 9,000th yeah. <laughs> time, I'm sure, and just kind of let it go while I was cooking. This is good. Yeah, I'll be I'll be curious to see like um like how often I go back to the well on it because I get in these very specific moods for certain music. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, like I listen to a lot of soundtracks. We, yeah, we talk about soundtracks a lot. So like uh. I listen to a lot of soundtracks because I'm I'm often in the middle of doing something, um, whether that's like working right uh, in my day job or, um, you know, uh, like sometimes I'll like when I'm in a game like Destiny 2 and I'm doing like standard upkeep shit weekly stuff mm-hmm. um, in the in those lovely games as a service. Um, sometimes I'll put on other soundtracks and listen to those when so like I, it's often music for me is often a way to sort of fill in those gaps for my ADD just to give my brain something else to yeah. chew on while I'm doing other stuff. Um, so when I am in the mood to listen to music, it's usually when I'm driving or like when I'm like, I'm going to listen to music. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how, because it, I mean, MF doom is, is like a brand new style of artist for me to work into my usual rotation so i'm, I'm really curious to see how it yeah. sort of permeates the the usual rotation that's good music for me is a little different where like i listen to a lot of soundtracks too if i'm doing something else i will probably put on a soundtrack for, for me i feel like if i'm trying to pay attention to the music i want to pay attention to the music one of the only times where I'm, I'm listening to something new, like the other day I listened to uh, Freddie Gibbs album for the first time. Uh, I did that while I was cooking because while my hands were moving, I could pay attention to the album with my like all of my brain power. Right, I, don't really, right. I don't really like I, I don't know why, but I'm not the kind of person where like I'll do it while I'm cooking. I'll do it while I'm in the car. But like if I'm playing a video game, having like even if it's something I've heard a million times, like a metallic album or something in the background. Yeah. It just doesn't really do anything for me, but yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm sure that this is this people say this about themselves all the time, but I'm, I'm just really weird with music. And then I feel like my tastes are a, a very, very, very explicit. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, it, 
I don't know. Like, I think it's, I think it's my ADD. I also think it's just the result of, you know, we're in a period of, uh, media consumption where there is just no limitations to what you can access and when you can access it. Right. And how you access it. So I feel like it's, you know, we're, our generation is interesting in that we are really going to be the only generation to remember a significant portion of our lives before the internet. And then after it, you know, I exploded Mm -hmm. and became what it is. And I think a large part of that is like, I remember still for a long time going and buying CDs and listening to CDs, right? Like I, I love newfound glory and I was in high school when most of their albums came out because I'm old. Um, and, uh, when most of their earlier albums, at least they're still fucking putting out music. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, pop, pop punk truly never dies, I guess. Yes. Um, but, but yeah, like I remember like when sticks and stones came out their their uh, second major label record. Um, the one with my friends over you on it. I remember buying the CD and I listened to that record an ungodly amount of times. And it was just like, I const I was one of those kids that had like the CD, the zipper up CD case in my backpack, right? Mm-hmm. That uh like I just all I always had all my CDs on me at all times. But like that was the thing. Like it was just too much to switch out CDs song after song. So if you didn't have a mix CD, yeah. when you put a CD in, yeah, you, just you let were it go. fucking committed, right? Mm-hmm. And it uh, that's not exclusive to CDs, right? That's you know, vinyl records, the same thing. Um, same A-tracks, thing with cassette yeah. tapes, right? A tracks, right? But in terms of like the portability and its prevalence in our day-to-day lives, mm-hmm. you think about that now in the scope of like an iPod and iTunes and Spotify, right? Where it's just music on demand and music on the go whenever you want it. But, you know, the first, I think, real generation of that was portable Walkmans and giant yeah. CD mm-hmm. zipper, zipper yeah. books. For me, like I remember the original iPod coming out and that being like a revolution. The idea like I, I had one of the the later generation ones. I remember I think it was uh, I don't know what brand it is. It doesn't matter. But like the ones that were starting getting like hundreds of gigabytes and music yeah. hasn't really changed in file size. So the idea of like this is literally every song I've owned. My dad and I look like we we could look back and see his whole wall of CDs and vinyl. We digitized the whole thing and I can carry it around. And it was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> the future <laughs> is incredible. What do you mean? Like, yeah. there's like 8000 songs on this. Yeah, I feel I feel like such a I feel such like such a 30 year old boomer right now. Yeah, but but- it, it really it was incredible. Like um, the first iPod that I had was the first generation of iPod minis. Mm-hmm. And it was because like I had just broken my last Walkman, yeah. my CD player Walkman. <laughs> and I had a tendency for breaking those fucking things. Oh, yeah. Um, but well, they, were, I, uh, they were made to be disposable. They were like yeah, garbage. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But I was like, well, fuck it. You know, now's the time I'm going to bite the bullet and get an iPod. And I got an iPod mini and it was four gigs. Mm-hmm. Right. And now my phone has 256 gigs of flash memory. (laughs) Yeah, my phone has like about 500 some gigabytes with my expanded memory. It's like, uh, like, just we're getting old. That's the that's the that's the long and the short of it. But yeah, I mean, that's to bring it back around. That's kind of the impermanence of media in general, which I think goes into 
some of our topic for today, but I think it's just become more disposable. Like in a universe where there is access to everything, the intrinsic value of any given thing is necessarily diminished, right? Yeah, right. I mean, I think about it in in... I don't know. I I don't claim to be an expert on musical history or even pop culture for that matter. You know, there are a lot more people that I think are qualified to speak on the scene, as it were, quote unquote, the music scene. Um, You know, people like uh, Finn McKenty of the punk rock MBA, you know, people that have spent more time actually in the scene than somebody like me. But as a consumer of these medias, right, you think about something like... um, like pop music now, right. Mm -hmm. And and popular music and what's popular now. And so much of it, um, is specifically meant for like immediate disposal. Right. And I don't, I don't mean to date myself and sound like a Marilyn Manson fan from 1997, (laughs) but, uh, but I, I really think that it, it's, it's interesting how we consume media today and, and in the dawn of like immediately accessible music, and how it relates to its inherent permanence that like does that immediately affect its lasting power right are we going to be looking back on pop music from 2020 the way that we look back on pop music from you know the 80s right yeah well i mean really interesting but look at the relative superstardom of it's like look at michael there is no michael jackson like you can pick out names like drake and kanye west and things like that but yeah, they, I don't I don't think they can compare it to the superstardom of Michael Jackson. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. And that's I, I think there is a huge part of that is, you know. The way that people are consuming media back. Yeah. then. You know, the Beatles, you could say that about yeah, the Beatles, too. Absolutely. Right? Because when there were only not that this was true, there were dozens of records, too. But when there's only a couple records at the shop and a record costs a fair amount of money and they're first of all, like heavy and weighted and there's the impracticality of managing them all and getting to play. Well, I heard these Beatles kids, these four British lads are pretty good. So I'll just get this right. Yeah. It's not a matter of, I can just look it up and if I don't like it, I can immediately skip it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's interesting. Um, When I think about, when I think about like what it means to consume that type of media that's produced on this just sort of like grandiose scale, right? Like we don't, we don't really consume music the same way that we did. Um, you could say maybe uh, the vinyl records resurgence maybe uh, sort of deviates from that a little bit yeah. because people are starting to get more into the idea of consuming a whole package and, there are even a lot of independent artists that are really dedicated to, uh, you know, that presentation and the way that you consume that media. You know, uh, there's a local artist in Pittsburgh that goes by the name of Sykes, Brian Howe, um, who's uh, one of his main projects, Normal Creatures, formerly Sykes and the New Violence. Um, I've always known him in his more recent releases to really care about uh, the physical presentation of what you know, he's releasing. And Mm -hmm. it's, I think that the, the access that people have to media now, um, really also motivates a lot of independent creators to sort of 
like present in that way because of how accessible it is. It's just interesting to me that like we can simultaneously say now, like you just said, I can immediately go to Spotify and look up to see if I'm going to like something instead of just, oh, I heard these guys are great. I'm going to pick them up and listen to them. We can simultaneously say that while we're also saying people who don't have record labels behind them are able to fund and produce their own right like consumable packages right yeah you it's have you crazy. have counter culture mainstream distribution old school distribution which is like nonsensical in a way yeah you know what i mean right like it's think a, think about how like i don't know if you this was uh the hip shit in the punk world when i was in high school but bad religion Oh, and, yeah. and they had already been around for a while. Like you ever, you ever got a bad religion bootleg and remember what that was like? Like I, I remember a kid handing me a bad religion bootleg and it looked like something I printed off my own computer. Right. Yeah. I, I remember working at Best Buy in 2005 and somebody coming into the store and dropping off a, uh, like a, a burnt CD, a rip CD of an early release of a kill switch engage record. And I was like, dude, <laughs> I got the shit. Right. I yeah. was like going to my friends. I was like, check it out, dudes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, yeah, I, I, I really think fondly on, on packaging and of, and of course, like, you know, I'll put, uh, links to everything in the show notes for the, uh, artists that we mentioned here today. But um, when I think back to to that, I really I remember the packaging, right? Yeah. I remember consuming the box art and the the um, the manuals, right? Like it was always this thing. Like it's always crazy to see when you find people on the internet that make memes that just you relate to so well, um, in what feels like very niche circumstances. Yeah. Like one that really resonates resonates with me that I still laugh about to this day is one that uh spoke about um like reading the manual on the way home oh yeah from picking up a game yeah or when you needed to take a shit yeah if you, you take it with you the yeah. game you take you take it with you because yeah. there was always something good to consume and read in there right? i have i have formative memories of learning to read on like n64 game manuals like yeah, I, I remember being incredibly confused by words in the f-zero manual f-zero 64 <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's definitely something that I think we're uh, have fallen a little bit out of yeah. today in terms of its it, it's well, uh it being a standard, right? Yeah, but it's uh, there's pluses and minuses, but there is like it, it's it's really a tactile emotional loss, right? Like there, uh, I've been talking about this with people I know, and I, we talked about it briefly, but just the idea too of uh, Sony is recently gonna uh, decide they're going to shut down the PlayStation 3, Vita and PSP uh, online stores. Right. And that stuff's right. just gone. Right. There's there's not really a tactile sensation anymore to ownership of things. You used to own a CD and there was an emotion to be said about that. Right. It was your CD. You could pick it up and hold it. You could look at the lyrics probably in the insert. You could look at the back, right, with all the track listing. It, it was a thing you could hold and know that it was yours. And now, not to, I mean, like, hey, I, I don't hold, I still don't use CDs, right? Spotify is king. It's it's way more convenient. But at right. the same time, there's there's that lack of tactile sensation. Same thing with video games, right? You install yeah. something on Steam. You, you, there's all the arts there on Steam for you to use. And you can install it and uninstall it anytime you like. But you don't have the manual. You don't have the discs, right? If 
steam goes down one day that's what everybody likes to talk about right it's gone so yeah yeah it's an interesting dilemma and it's it's a it's it's like a paradox of sorts right it's like the consumer's paradox of you know um ultimate convenience versus um you know uh permanence right Right. um and how they are almost in in inversely correlated so one thing that i think about all the time whenever i sort of look back on this and again i get nostalgic about it is the jurassic park genesis game yeah um i know that exact game yeah man um first off i think that i think the sega genesis um box art and and its box design in general is just really really spectacular um i have extremely fond memories of like what it felt like to hold the box of a new genesis Mm -hmm. cartridge to open it up and to see like how there would be like ridges in the inside and like clips to hold the manual in and then there was the insert for the cart right there's something really satisfying about it you know like the meme is like oh it's so satisfying to peel the plastic off of stuff but like do you remember what the inside of a fresh genesis cartridge or box smelled like right unbelievable it was just incredible i miss i miss a lot of like the way that they used to release like officially licensed media for properties like that back then yeah and like even early clamshell ps1 stuff with the super tall boxes and you had the the, like almost book size manuals like that stuff was really cool too but that i mean i think that's our topic of the day right is licensed media and they they're uh they're going through kind of the same thing, right? You know, in a world where everything is ultimate convenience and as a result, the marketplace gets flooded. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. being treated differently, very differently. Yeah. And it it's crazy because it, it's not, it's not like it's a, it's not a, it's not a category of media that really has any sort of reputation for being good, nor does it have like a reputation for being necessarily terrible either. Right. Like they are, they truly exist like in a vacuum because they are so wild and so varied and they have so many different interesting stories behind, behind them, you know, primarily video games, um, you know, but even extending into stuff like the, the old extended star Wars universe. Right. And people taking those ideas and sort of running with them with, you know, the science stories like air of the empire and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I saw a, what really sparked this in me was I saw there's a YouTuber by the name of G man lives. And he recently do did a, uh, uh, a video on, um, where he talked about a bunch of the, um, James Bond. Yeah. The, thank you. The James Bond first person shooters, right. From like golden eye all the way up through the 007 mm-hmm. legends that came out alongside of um of the one of the more recent bond movies in 2012 i think it was skyfall and um he's going through a lot of them and like there's there's a lot of like obviously goldeneye right goldeneye goldeneye is looked back on very fondly it's considered the gold standard for like you know couch co-op first person shooters and it it gave sort of you know people it it the the real first bid at console first person shooters and right. specifically you know PVP environments for those, but um, one that was absent from that video because it's not a first person shooter that it just sort of sparked me and sort of I started thinking about it was um, everything or nothing. Do you remember that game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I this is like 
this is what I think of mostly when I think about like officially licensed media that just hits, right? Because I think there's a lot of, um, James Bond is one of the more recycled properties for this, but I think there's a lot of really interesting shit out there and a lot of specifically video games that are based off of certain properties like movies that are that it's releasing alongside of that really like they just do it they just do it right and they i i just look back on them with with a lot of fondness like what so what do you what do you remember about everything or nothing oh god i remember i hated the story uh uh yeah other than that yeah sorry go ahead I was just going to say it's it's like a mishmash, right? Because it's not really officially based off yeah. of a specific Bond movie, right? Yeah, I remember it being fun, though. I remember like I, I think I bought it under the assumption that it was going to be like Goldeneye. And like and then like you, I think I actually bought it used. And then you look yeah. at the back of the case and it's like, what the hell is this shit? Right. But it it in and of itself, right, is like um, I can't remember what year it came out. It was like 2004, 2005, something like that. It was definitely while I was in high school. Um, and uh, I actually remember I used to subscribe to uh, PS, PSM magazine, I think mm-hmm. it was PlayStation magazine back when I was in high school. And I remember like this full four page spread on it that they did um, that I saw that I was just like. I mean, I followed this game because I just love James Bond, Mm -hmm. right? Like just in general, I love James Bond movies. I love James Bond shit because ultimately the big sort of the big hook for me here is I fucking love spy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And I know a lot of people love spy shit, but I mean, like it gets me like horny, right? Like if I... If I even get a sense that your movie is based in or around espionage of any sort, I'm watching it. It's why, like, The Man from Uncle, which is a recent Guy Ritchie film, you know, uh, sort of like a re- reboot remake based off of the original idea. Um, not really that great of a film. Mm-hmm. I could watch that movie all day. It just screams spy motif and i love it that's one of the great tragedies of the last decade was obsidian's alpha protocol i was Mm. so ready for an obsidian spy based mass effect-esque game and and that game is uh something we'll have to talk about it sometime yeah well and that that was the thing that just like because back back in like you know the mid-2000s we didn't really have the type of gaming that we have now right Mm -hmm. it was very much like the first the the first draft and the foundations of what we have as modern games today in 2021 video gaming um and everything or nothing is basically just like your your sort of it's a cut and dry third person action game right it's on rails for the most part um there's really not a whole lot of freedom that you have outside of a couple car chase scenes where you have to like navigate a car to certain spots and it gives you a map, but it still is in and of itself contained. Um, I mean, even down to like, um, you would have to, the only way to shoot, there was no, there was no free aiming, right? Yeah. You would have to lock on and and mm-hmm. that was how you shot. Right. So it yeah. really wasn't even a shooter so much as it was like an on rails, James Bond movie simulator. Yeah. But where a lot of like officially licensed games 
off of these types of properties where a lot of those sort of cut corners, I feel like this game went all the fuck out. Well, it was it's interesting because I, I actually was just looking it up to confirm. Right. So a lot of people may not know, but modern third person shooters are heavily informed by the massive success of Resident Evil 4. Yes. Shinji Mikami's Resident Evil 4. If you're playing a third person shooter, odds are it's inspired by Resident Evil 4, things like Gears of War, right? The cover shooter, move to cover shooters, those kinds of things. Yep. This is one of the formative games of the genre, and this game precedes it by yeah. several years, which I wanted to look it up and confirm it, right? So you have kind of like you have this weirdly eerily uh well designed pierce brosnan and he fights all kinds of like stand uh uh old standard bond villains and there's all these action-packed sequences but it's it's this um it's this precursor area of third person action games before camera zooming in over the shoulder and free aiming and stuff right 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 and um it's interesting to note that the I guess uh, supposed sequel, right? Like if you could call it that, um, which is not really a chronological sequel, but they just sort of polished off everything or nothing and did from a game based on from Russia with love, mm -hmm. the Sean Connery film even had Sean Connery voice him. Um, they, that one did have free aiming yeah. to an extent. Right. So like, um, just a little interesting note there, but they, they really did go all out with it. You know, mm -hmm. um, Pierce Brosnan was a part of it. He lent his likeness. He uh, voiced him. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you also had Shannon Elizabeth in it, who was <laughs> like the main Bond girl. Right. Yeah. Who at the time was really well known for American Pie. Right. Because um, American Pie was just such a hot fucking franchise at the time. Um, you even had like Heidi Klum was, it was, was in that game. Judy Dench like came in and yeah. played and, and, and played M John Cleese played Q, right? Like mm -hmm. it, you had all of the, all of the, the, the current cast pretty much, right? Like the main bond people. And then you even had Willem Dafoe playing the villain. Yeah. So like they didn't just like take james bond and say like well we're just gonna make a james bond game right i feel like it was so much more of like a we're going to make an unofficial james bond movie and it's gonna be a video game right and i mean it's not perfect right like i'm not saying that if you go back and play it now you're you're gonna have the same type of experience that you would have if you went back and played one of the various remasters or even the original version of resident evil 4 resident yeah. evil 4 is a much higher quality game and holds up much better today i'm sure right um but everything or nothing was just really interesting to me because like it really sort of like took me back to that like i started thinking about all these different properties that you know were like um like are these uh these different types of media that were based on properties like i think of enter the matrix mm -hmm. like enter the matrix isn't even that great of a game yeah but like it was so steeped in the aesthetic and the theme well, even the whole subsection that never worked out of like having to hack 
the, the entire sub menu of having to hack through the matrix to unlock all the different stuff. Yeah. And you would find the clues in the main game. It's just like it was very wildly experimental and creative. Now, all the creativity fell on its face. But I agree. That was yeah, like. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and it's sort of one of those things where it's like for me, it becomes, you know, we we talked about Zack Snyder's Justice League last week where it, I think about some of this stuff like Enter the Matrix. And I think like you know, those sub menus and figuring out the puzzles and hacking the matrix and having that extra like layer of theme to go along with it. Like I would almost rather a subpar experience as a whole, if there's going to be that sort of level of care to it, Mm -hmm. than this sort of ultra polished soulless representation of, of the, the property that I'm engaging with for. Right. That's actually my topic for the day. We'll come back to it is like transitioning from one type of media to a video game and then back and when that's good and when that's bad, because there are many good licensed video games. There are many bad licensed video games. Why are there no good video game movies? Yeah, I I have some thoughts on that, but go ahead. Well, and so it is sort of what's interesting about that, too, right, is um they're the wanted video game, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a game that's based off of a movie that's based, that off, is of based off of a comic. Yeah. Right. And it's pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like they. It, opinions about the film aside, if you are like. I'm trying to play a game that captures the essence of what it's like to curve a bullet, because that is that is the ultimate allure of that story right in that theme is like, Oh, they're assassins and they fucking curve bullets. Like it's dope, right? No matter uh, how you engage with I, it, it's cool because, Oh, I have to disagree. I hated that movie because it, the comic is so much unbelievably better. The movie well, has almost nothing to do with the comic. Well, right. But I mean, yeah. it just in terms of like the idea of curving the bullets idea is of like cool. the curving yeah. bullets. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So like, you see a game and I remember they did like the original, like the demo, the demo released on Xbox live for the Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck yeah, you're curving bullets. Right. And it, it's just, it stands for me as an example of like, you have these people behind this project that are trying to represent the property effectively. And you can tell when it really pays off, right? You can tell when it's that type of effort versus something that's like, well, make this game, but just make sure that it aligns to the movies. You know what I mean? Or make sure that it it looks like the films. You know what I mean? Um, it's just, it, it's interesting for me. You know, I, I love stuff like that. Um, Mission Impossible 64 stands out as one for me because this is another one that like, you have a game based off of this film, which is the Tom Cruise film um, that that comes out that is not only cool in that it relates to the franchise and, and the movie that's coming out alongside it, but it also has elements that really still heavily influenced like the type of shit that I like today. There's a level in that game, mission impossible 64, where you have to use the face scanner from the films, very famous gadget from the film. And it's this moment of you have to blend in as a waiter, 
follow the target into the bath or poisonous drink, follow the target into the bathroom after he takes a drink, mm-hmm. drown him in the toilet, and then put his face on and disguise yourself as him. This is in like 1997, mm-hmm. right? Let me tell you what game I still fucking love doing that in today. Hitman. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So like for me, it's like it's interesting to look back on these things that seem at face value as just sort of these like copy paste of like, well, it's just the Mission Impossible game that came out with the movie. But you have these examples of these really magical moments of almost despite how on rails that is for that year it is like it has that flavor of emergent gameplay right like this thing of you had this task right and Mm -hmm. we gave you the tool and you figured the puzzle out right yeah well this is so maybe it's time to talk about my theories here maybe this will direct us to because thinking about this when you brought up this topic to me my mind immediately went to First of all, that there are a lot of licensed games that I really love. I think I think my absolute favorite Star Wars property is probably Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2. Yeah, Um, I think it's some of the most intelligent, which is not saying much, but it's some of the most intelligent writing set in the Star Wars universe. Um, I love things like The Simpsons Hit and Run, which is just this nonsensical (laughs) GTA clone. Right. I think it's one of the best licensed games ever made. There's so many great licensed games and then you just look at like the only video game movie i would be comfortable calling good is the original mortal Kombat movie i would agree with that it's not even necessarily good because of it's a faithful adaptation right it's just entertaining yeah right right it well so it's it's one of those for me it's one of those things where it's like you may not have captured all of it but you got some of it yeah you got the spirit of the thing and I I think that it's probably a, a thing of the components of the media's being transferred. So let's take a couple examples and use that to form kind of the idea here. So Star Wars. Star Wars is originally a film. It's been made into literally everything. Video games, books, comics. Right, yeah. I've read any type of media. I've read damn near every Star Wars book. I've read many Star Wars comics. I've played many Star Wars games like any type of media you can think of. Star Wars is there. I'm sure radio dramas have been made. You know what I mean? It's it's that kind of merchandising power. Jedi power battles, dude. Yeah. When you're taking. Yeah, that's that was a that was a fun beat em up. Hell yeah. When you uh, when you take something like a movie. And you adapt it to another media. There is an expectation of transference of at most. It's visual style, it's visual fidelity, right? Like a whether that be literally in this case, like, for for example, for Jedi power battles, that Obi-Wan looks like Obi-Wan or whatever. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Or just that it looks like Star Wars that in the opening level of Jedi power battles, you look like you're on just to continue this example on the uh, Nemoidian ship. Right. Right. The trade, whatever the hell they're called, right? Yeah, um, right. From Phantom Menace. Yeah, from Phantom Menace. Now, there's that. There's a narrative and theming through line, right? If it's an adaptation of a movie, that it would be at least loosely comparable to the narrative, that it would maintain its themes, right? 
But beyond those things, maybe one, maybe one more thing, maybe a sound, right? Sure. Things sound Star Wars. Right? Yeah, definitely. Beyond that, there isn't much to transfer. That's the components of a movie in, in the most short form possible, right? Mm-hmm. So a video game being already a compon- composite of those things, but also adding things like gameplay design, player agency, um, meta narrative, things that the only only something with a player's interface could happen. Right. Right. All right. these different things. There's more space to work with. So you end up with, in my opinion, one of the best Star Wars medias is Knights of the Old Republic 2, a game that looks like Star Wars. There's Jedi, there's Sith, there's Stormtrooper analogs, there's droids, there's planets. Everything looks Star Wars. Everything sounds Star Wars. Lightsabers sound like lightsabers. Blaster bolts sound like blaster bolts. Uh, uh, spaceships sound like spaceships. The, th- uh, the narrative and the theming is there, but it can take it a step further and it can say to itself something the films would never do and they have never done. This is incredibly stupid. Let's have a game, a narrative that looks at how stupid this entire <laughs> overarching narrative is. Darth Triad, Kreia, right? The yeah. entire premise of the game is whether you choose light or dark, you're an idiot. And I'm going to tell you you're an idiot for choosing it, for being a binary person, right? Yeah, you're right. stupid for thinking like a Jedi that everything can just be wrapped up neatly in a bow. You give charity to a bum on the street. You're an idiot. Someone's just going to beat up the bum and take the money. You've changed nothing. Right. Yeah. Right. So you have that. That's this is how you can end up with a good transference. As long as there is a good gameplay associated with it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. There's not as much of a transference. Going back. So take your pick of any Uwe Boll film. Right. Oh, God. The guy that uh, makes House the, of the, the dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to go with Blood Rain, but Blood Rain. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. The expectation gets a little muddier when you're going from a video game to a film or a video game to a book, whatever. Uh, yeah. There's examples of good video game books. I like the S.D. Perry Resident Evil novels. I think they're pretty good. I they're thought pretty good uh, some of the Halo novels were pretty cool. Yeah. Some of the Halo novels are pretty good. But you lose. All of the components that are uniquely video game going to these films and all you're left with is the narrative needs to be intact. The and the themes, the visuals need to be intact and the sound needs to be intact. And I think for a lot of people making films, at least sometimes books, sometimes comics, they don't have that respect you were mentioning that a developer might have for a film. I think it's because video games get less respect in general from established media right and they don't think to themselves that they need to respect the narrative well this is stupid i could write something a million times better they can't but they try anyway they end up with garbage (laughs) right i don't need this looks ridiculous outfit looks ridiculous i'm gonna make them wear whatever or whatever right or like enemy the monsters or whatever shouldn't look like this and then people lose their identity with the thing this is something that mortal kombat did well Right. The original right, film. Yeah. It's something yeah. that tra- the trailer for the new one. I don't have entirely pleasant feelings about the new trailer, but it does. It gets the visual fidelity spot on. Yep. Right. You immediately recognize everybody in that trailer. Right. Yeah, that's right, that's exactly. the essence of Mortal Kombat. Right. And then audio. 
right? Like the, the it's a great example of this that you may not understand or viewers may not understand. Um, Initial D is an anime. It's a manga series. It's about drifting, car drifting. And it is inexorably tied with the genre of music Eurobeat. It's basically a Euro- European electronic music, right? Uh, it's, it is that way because there was Eurobeat in the original anime broadcast. Oh, cool. Which repopularized Eurobeat. Oh, which then Which then repopularized Initial D. It's like, oh, it's cool. just linked. Yeah, neat. There, there's a newer Initial D that has only rock and roll music. And it's just not the same. Everybody's like, where's my Eurobeat, right? Yeah. Initial D is Eurobeat. So right. you, you get these these notions in people's mind. That's the only sound example I could think of. But right. Like it, it'd be like making a Doom movie. Not not like any of the ones that already made. If they made a new Doom movie based on Doom Eternal and they had electronic music instead of the heavily metal inspired right. Mick Gordon style soundtrack, you'd be like, what the hell is this? Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I think I think that's an interesting context to think about this stuff in, too, is is part of it that in adapting something that is licensed into something like a video game, like the people that were working on the Mission Impossible game in adapting something to a book or to a comic. I don't know a whole lot about the uh, Star Wars extended universe books, but I have read most of them. That is my Star Wars. I refuse to acknowledge the existence of the new <laughs> Star Wars because it's not better. <laughs> That's and that was a low bar to set. Being being better than the extended universe was not hard. Yeah, <laughs> and they still failed. <laughs> but like, is it that people adapting downstream have that respect or not? And I think a lot of the times when you're downstream from a video game or a comic book, there's not that respect. Yeah. One of the interesting things we talk about and related to that all the time and, you know, this inherent respect that that you want the creators to have for things uh, and properties that you love and that you care for and that mean something to you is um, it's like. Have you even consumed the source material? Do you even really Mm -hmm. understand what you're making? Right. And I I think about. um, Modern times right now, there's not a whole lot of that sort of thing that happens, right? Like to say, to use my earliest example in the episode of the Jurassic Park Genesis game, I don't think we really have that anymore, right? The most, the most that you could really say is probably what the newest Avengers game that was out. No, well, not even that. So Avengers is one thing that's, that's definitely a corporate cash grab, but to talk about the soulless component, soul versus soulless, one of my favorite memes. Think about, I'm going to go back to Star Wars just because there are so many Star Wars games. And there's a perfect recent example. Think about the Rogue Squadron games, which were basically aerial combat sims. Nice of the Old Republic, obviously huge RPG series. Um, there's the, bat- the Battlefront series, right? Uh, yeah. Team-based shooters. There's so many different examples of games and they all bleed a particular soul, right? Even the clone trooper game. You remember that? The first person shooter that was pretty. Republic Commando. Yeah, even even um, even the the officially licensed Revenge of the Sith game. Dude, 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 dude. That game. The Revenge of the Sith game. Not only was it pretty good, it had a fucking fighting game in it. Yeah. 
Which was or, dope. Yeah. Well, hey, the Star and Wars fighting just, game, Terras Kasi. Yeah, Masters, Masters of Terras Kasi or whatever it was. But like that one, yeah. I want to say that little hidden fighting game mode in the Revenge of the Sith game definitely fulfilled what I wanted that Masters of Terras Kasi game to be when I was a little kid. Because yeah. all I wanted to do was just force choke people and throw them around, and yeah. you could do that in the one in the Revenge of the Sith one. I mean, so, anyway, Jedi Knight with Carl Kyle Katarn, uh, freaking yeah, uh, Jedi Knight Two is the best. Yeah, um, Dark Forces, the first Dark game Forces. in that series. Dark, yeah, Dark Forces, Dark Forces Two, Jedi Knight, and then Jedi Academy. But Jedi anyway, Academy. Yeah. Suffice anyway. to say, many yeah. excellent games. Right? Yes, yeah, Lucasfilm. How we miss our Lucas Arts rather. How how we miss the yeah, in miss fact. Thee. But uh Star Wars recently released a new video game. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Fall Order. Fallen Order. Right. And it was relatively well received. But it is a very different type of media, right? Yeah. It toes the line of the established film narrative. It's not it's not overly offensive. It tries to keep a steady pace so as not to intrude upon everything else happening around it. Doesn't try anything experimental or new in gameplay or narrative, right? It's it's just, it's mass consumer content. Yeah. Making the most inoffensive, consumable thing possible. Please give us your money. Thank you. Yeah. You, want yeah. some, you want some Star Wars Dark Soul light? We got you. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And it and it it is cool. I mean, you know, admittedly, I, I had a lot of fun with that game, right? Like I I think that it it was a lot of fun to sort of just, you know, see see what that take looked like and you know, respawn the 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 developing studio of that game. Um, I think makes fun games. Titanfall was incredible. Um Apex Legends is is I'm not really super into BRs, but when I when I get a hankering for one, I I want to play Apex Legends good studio um but in terms of like you're saying like exploring the property you, you just don't get it anymore this yeah. is this is what this is what we have right we we don't have the bioware digging into our obsidian rather digging into um the star wars lore and saying you know let's make this really high-minded narrative yeah Let's, where let's, let's do a critical think piece about yeah. this stupid children's film from the 80s, yeah, right? right? Like, like you know, what do you mean there are no shades of gray? Shut yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like you're it, a moron. Right. If, if you think in these extremely binary terms, you're you're brain addled. Yeah. And like, you know, there's not, nothing necessarily wrong with putting a story together that's, you know, tightly contained within the the idea of you know where are the jedi the jedi need to come back but like it's just sort of again like it goes back to this thing of are we really trying to explore a property you know what i mean and are we really trying to make something thought-provoking and make something interesting or are we just trying to make a game that we can you know, yeah. leverage the name of something else to sell sell units for. Yeah, right? and it's it's not to say that there's nothing out there that pushes the boundary. Like I I think Alien Isolation is a great example of a recent yeah. a really licensed point. property that like does go places, but right. it's just a overall examination that 
it, I mean, to to make it the most reductive argument possible, it is just like the watching the encroaching soullessness of the industry, right? Of the industry of licensed material. Even, I mean, I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember how many sports games there used to be? Yeah. I don't know if young people, I don't think I sound so old. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I don't think young people understand how many sports games there used to be. It yeah, was I not... Mean- Madden was not the only football game by any stretch of the imagination. Right. In fact, one of my favorite football games of all time was NFL Blitz for the N64. Oh, my God. Where's dude. NFL Blitz, man? Where is people throwing shit out the window and saying, who cares about stats? Why don't we just have them leap like Superman and murder each other from across the field? Right. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah, man. Um, And honestly, like you can you can kind of look look at how the absence of that has influenced um other like sort of tangential ideas within that genre like i would argue that um you know not having an nfl street out there not having something like that is exactly why we have rocket league yeah right mm-hmm. is exactly why we have stuff like that because it's it 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 taps into that you know, there's there's a want for this, right? There's yeah. a want for this type of content. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, not to not to not to dwell too much on what we want and how things have betrayed us and how our love. Yeah. How our loves have have yeah, how evolved it, in the last how, couple of years. <laughs> how does it feel to be old enough to watch all your favorite franchises die? Yeah, man, exactly. <laughs> it, well, I mean, it, there's there's light in the tunnel. It's just interesting to think about, like even the uh, the South Park games, too. Yeah. Like there there is hope out there. It's just uh, all the licenses are in the hands of. Well, yeah. And, you know, to kind of bring this full circle, you know, getting back to the accessibility of media now. Right. Like it is. I think I think this really touches on that too of it's just so easy to create media that is specifically meant to be consumed fast and hard and be disposed of yeah mm-hmm. um and so that we can move on to the next thing um you know it's um similar to uh like like look at anthem right bioware's anthem it was like this huge ambitious project and then when it went tits up and all the truth about the development cycle came out it was well, we're going to sideline this and we're going to come up with Anthem 2.0, Anthem 2.0, and it's dead, right? Yeah. So it's just, you know, I think that, um, I think that I would, I would really like to see, I would really like to see a faithful remake of the Jurassic Park Sega Genesis game. That's, that's all what this <laughs> is all about. That is what this is all about. I still oh. haven't gotten past level four. I never got past level four. It's a son of a bitch in game. Yeah. It's hard as fuck. That's another thing, dude. Well, those games were hard as fuck. The games were hard as fuck. I mean, games still are, but the games, especially older console games, were still coming off the arcade era mentality of like intrinsic value comes from amount of time spent, which means we need to make this so ball crushingly difficult that you'll never beat it. Exactly. It's like uh, um, it's 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 uh, the, like Goldeneye, dude. Yeah. To go back to Goldeneye, Goldeneye is hard as shit. Goldeneye has really fucking bizarre win mechanics for some of the levels. Yeah. Where it's like you can only progress and you can only win 
if you don't move. But we're not going to tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to figure it out and try it, right? I guess my argument to counter your I want a remake of Jurassic Park for the Genesis, which I mean, hey, Jurassic Park for the Genesis. I, I if there was a remake of that, I would be super down. My my thing is I think that people just if if this bothers them, there's plenty of people, I'm sure, that could not give less of a shit. It's perfectly fine. All right. In fact, I envy you. I wish I could just <laughs> like stuff. I'm bitter. I'm yeah. a bitter person. But I think a lot of this just goes back to like play older stuff that does do the job. Yeah. Right? There's still good games and also play weirder stuff, play indie stuff like I showed you the other day. Like there is licensed stuff being made by people. This is the flip side, the good side of the accessibility thing that would have never gotten a shot. 20 years ago to work with this stuff. So um, is it I I'm pretty sure they're Japanese. They're called Team Ladybug. Uh, uh-huh. They made a Toho based, which I'm not going to explain that. It's basically a Castlevania game that got mm-hmm. really popular on the Internet called Toho Luna Nights. I just played that recently. They just released a new Castlevania style game set in the record of Lotus War universe, which is a really old anime property. I was telling you like Lotus War. I remember this being on TV when I was yeah, younger. Right. I right, love this right, shit. Right. So this is the flip side is like there's stuff out there that's licensed and it might be stuff that you really like that's made by just purely passionate people. Yeah. Right. You can see that a lot in the Power Rangers fighting game, right? Battle for mm-hmm. the Grid. Like it might not be the best fighting game out there, um, but I'll tell you what, man, I logged into it for the first time in probably a year or so. The last time I logged into it was the last time that you were over my house pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let's play some Power Rangers. And you were like, oh, God, this game. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I logged into it again. It is now a tag fighter. Yeah. With assists and supers mm-hmm. and all this different shit. Right. And I think it's similar to that where it's like, you know, there's people clearly behind the development of that game that even if they're not making the best game ever, they give a shit and they give yeah. a big shit right yeah well it's it's part of the consumability problem too of like games are expensive no matter what the industry thinks that like they can just yeah, make right. games 90 dollars and people will just buy the same amount that's not true right um but you get this this idea too and it's easy to understand why of perceived production value and when people look at things like I don't know, like, let's just say Star Wars Battlefront, right? Mm-hmm. It is immediately obvious that that game is gorgeous, right? It right. looks like the most faithful recreation of Star Wars crap imaginable. Oh, is that chewy? Oh, yeah, exactly. Ooh. And you compared that to, I understand this is apples and oranges, oh, but let's. It's let's, Lando. <laughs> yeah, let's just say Insurgency Sandstorm, right? Yeah, right. Like, you compared those. And there is an inherent value presentation yeah. right, mm-hmm. of, well, this this one looks like really cool Star Wars stuff and it's like really high fidelity. Now, I, I think Insurgency is an incredible shooter and it's way better than Battlefront. Right. Right. But if you're not going out there and exploring, you're going to go with the thing that looks like it was made by, with millions of dollars. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, right. Yeah, there's, um, you know, I, I like to support indie creators uh, when I can. Um, and uh, 
and to 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 reinforce the you know what you were just saying there there's a lot of cool shit out there um uh i i will make sure that we drop um some links for some of the shit that we talked about today um the old the, the lotus say it again say record it again. of lotus war record not- of lotus war yeah okay it's a it's a basically a dungeons and dragons story i think you would actually really like it sick yeah, yeah. i'm when you showed me that a couple months ago, I was I was very excited for it. So I'm definitely going to drop drop a link to that in the show notes there. Um, but yeah, um, I I really just when I get when I get hit with the nostalgia bone, man. Yeah, like it it it, it runs deep in me because I have such an appreciation for so many like very specific things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a place. I don't know if it's still open or not. It might be. Um, but when I lived in Michigan for a bit, there's a place called Slice of the 80s where I used to get pizza from all the time. Mm-hmm. And like walking in there was like fucking walking into a pizza shop straight out of the 80s. Yeah. They had all sorts of old arcade cabinets and like it was just radical. And like it's those types of things. Like I think of colors. I think of, you know, specific palettes and motifs that just hit my hit my nostalgia bone. And that just really gets me going. I was I was really excited to talk about uh some of my some of my my highlights and that kind of yeah well we can we can just nostalgia boner for a little bit too like uh so i don't know if i told you this uh we're we're going into full nostalgia boner moment now so i love fighting games uh you once said to me uh i said something extremely extra about having a this is true i have a photo uh a digital photo frame in my kitchen that has GIF images or GIF images. I don't care however you want to pronounce it. GIF images GIF, GIF. of fighting game backgrounds, animated backgrounds, and it just cycles through those. And I look at it while I cook and it soothes me. And you yeah. said that was like the most me thing I had ever said to you. Right. I yeah, am into great. them. I am into them in a very extra way. Yeah. So it's it's great. It's one of my favorite things about you. <laughs> my one of my uh, my most sought after items uh i want to see if i can find them are uh when i was younger i was super into mortal kombat mortal kombat 2 and 3 specifically because those are the ones that had the console releases and the strategy guides which is where i'm going with this i don't know if you remember strategy guides (laughs) the 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 strategy guides for these games were incredible they had like comics they had tons of art. Oh yeah, they told, the primo they telling, ones. Yeah, they told the stories of the characters. All it the was, lore. Yeah, it was. Fighting games incredible. are about the lore, folks. Make no fucking mistake. It's all about the lore. <laughs> yeah, the kami dogus. Yeah, but <laughs> but like that. Uh, like going back to like the tactile thing, man. I just want to hold that stuff in my hand again. I want mm. to. I want to be able to look at those guides and reminisce. That was like. That was my youth there. I knew I, I I knew the lore of Liu Kang and why he was fighting for Earthrealm. They had the sick art of him that like no one has ever replicated of him in this like Shotokan pose. And he's just like Ugh. ripped up like literally like 90s like comic aesthetic. Right. One of these days, maybe maybe one day soon we'll do an episode all about our favorite fighting game art. That'd one of these cool. days, one of these yeah. days. You know, I I also get nostalgic for stuff that I've never even experienced before, mm-hmm. which is like kind of weird in a way. Um, my wife and I are both really into and this is going to be the most, you know, middle class thing I've ever said in my entire life. But 
uh, uh, we're really into like mid-century modern furniture and shit like that. Yeah. We just both really have an aesthetic for it. And um, I, I really sort of, whenever I see stuff like that, I feel like I just, I like it so much that I feel like it, it might be similar to what people talk about having like previous lives and like past lives. Right. Yeah. Like I existed at some point where I just sat, in an in a fucking in an apartment in new york city in 19 1959 right i just that's that's all that's where i was at some point in my life because it just feels very homely right like uh i, I get that way a lot whenever i watch a show called the marvelous mrs Maisel. have you seen that show uh no not yet you've you've mentioned it a couple times to me though uh okay uh yeah it's it's one of my favorite shows uh I, you've never seen that show no I don't really know if I don't really know if it's my speed. All right. Um, we're running out of time, so I'm not I'm not going to launch into it now. I just might chill it this week. Oh, that'd be cool. All right. It? All right. I was going to do something else, but I just might. This just in. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, shill is going to be the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, I don't know what to think about that, because I know basically Jack shit like you brought right. it up like two or three times, so. Listen, dude, you like stand up comedy. Yeah. You like uh, well-structured narratives. Mm -hmm. You like absolutely gorgeous set design. Mm -hmm. And you like really great, memorable characters. All of these are things I like. Yes. Yeah. All right. So next week, we're going to show the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. All right. I look That's, forward to that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well. I guess the cat's out of the bag, I guess. I guess we're not going to do what I was originally going to do. I'm not shilling hentai next week like I thought I was. <laughs> yeah, you're not. Listen, you're not shilling hentai to me. Shut, <laughs> shut the fuck up. You're, you're so facetious. No, <laughs> you're you're like pure as the driven snow. You're you're a normie. Get the fuck out, normie. <laughs> All right. Well, I am going to have to go start working on the shill then because I got to figure out how exactly I'm going to show it to you. I think I have an idea. But yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. All right. Well. Okay. Don't forget, you can check us out at all of our social medias at The Many Folds on Twitter and Instagram. You can check us out at TheManyFolds.com where you can find all of our episodes. We are available on Spotify, Apple, all of the podcast outlets. Did I forget anything? Uh, YouTube as well. But I think oh, yeah. Our episodes are available on YouTube now as well. Don't forget, you can find us on YouTube. There's nothing like pretty to look at yet because no. like all that we do is really we just upload the art there but if you don't like or subscribe to spotify and you don't have an iphone and you hate your web browser you can use youtube music yeah all right folks scott i'm gonna go start working on this shill sounds good man see you later King of the shill.